I'm Jess. If you haven't met me, hello. It's so good to see you. Um, I'm one of the curates here at All Saints. And um, yeah, really excited to be preaching this morning. Um, over the last few weeks, me and Rich have kind of tag teamed. I've been doing evenings. Uh, Rich has been doing mornings. But now I get to do a morning. So it's, it's a real privilege. Um, I'm going to read from the Bible before we start. If you've got um, a paper copy, great. If you've got your phone, um, great. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4, um, 1 to 7. So I'll read that now. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those perishing the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Amen. Tell you what, I feel like a jar of cracked clay this morning. I've got that cold that's going around, so forgive me if I sound a bit bunged up. Um, so as Rich said, we've been working through a series called This Is Us, going back to basics. What does it mean for us as the people of God in this moment, um, who are we? What are we called to do? Um, so we looked at community to start off with, and um, being all in, um, committing once again to um, to being present here in our church family, um, and to to really walk alongside each other. Um, last week we were talking about being yeah, people of His presence. What does it mean to live in and out of the Spirit, and um, and bring that wherever we go? And so this week we're looking at mission. What does it mean to be a family? on mission. So you're going to have to forgive me straight off the bat because I am going to mention the C word twice this morning. I'm not going to swear, but I am going to say Christmas twice and you're just going to have to forgive me, okay? So does anybody remember this John Lewis Christmas advert? There's a picture there. Um, it's about a boy who um, waits and waits and waits for Christmas and we all think he just can't wait to open his presents. And then at the end, on the next slide, the final kind of thing is he actually can't wait to give the present that he was, has brought for his parents. And it, the strap line was, for gifts, you can't wait to give. And I wondered, does anybody know the year? I, I quite enjoy a bit of trivia. Anybody guess the year before we carry on? Any takers? Shout it out. 2019? No. I was shocked. Go back further. It's 2011. So quite, that's 10 years ago. I was like, wowza. Anyway, I, I was thinking about this advert as I was preparing this sermon because I was thinking, when was the last time I felt that excited about sharing Jesus with people that don't yet know him? 
When was the last time that I had that feeling that was like, I just can't wait to share who Jesus is with my non-Christian mates, with my family that don't yet know Jesus? And it really got me thinking, like, actually, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've had that, like, desperation to be like, you need to know Jesus. Maybe that's lockdown. Maybe that's um, the, the season that we're in. Maybe that says something about me that I need to pray for more of an urgency. But I wonder, does that resonate with anyone here? Like, we might not all be evangelists. And I know not all of us find it easy, but we are called to make disciples. And we have this amazing gift, the gift of Jesus that we celebrate in a few months' time, that we celebrate every day we wake up and we know Jesus as our close friend, our saviour. We know the gospel truth that he, he died and he rose again for us to have eternal life. And when was the last time that I felt desperate to share that with someone? Famously, um, William Temple, a former archbishop, said this, and you'll probably recognize the quote. The church is the only organization that does not exist for itself, but those who live on the outside of it. It's a challenge that, isn't it? How do you think we're doing on that in this season? Now, this phrase has kept coming up time and time again, being a family on mission. And we've been teaching, haven't we, that that the importance of gathering on a Sunday is, is to cheer each other on in order to be scattered across this city in the week, in the workplaces, the schools, the homes, and the people that you do life with. I think it's important to distinguish this family on mission What I'm saying is it's both proclamation and demonstration. It's not just words, and it's not just actions. Because we can share it evangelistically, we can share the gospel with people, but that's just empty words if we're not being family with them. And the same works both ways. You know, we're called to love the last and the least. We're called to look after the orphans and care for the widows and feed the hungry. And yet we're also called to share this amazing gift, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're called to share this amazing relationship and friendship that we have. We're called to be disciples that make disciples. You see, it's both and in the kingdom of God. I think I'm going to earn a point from Rich there for mentioning his favorite phrase. (laughs) We're both called to demonstrate the love of Jesus and proclaim it. You see, this family on mission takes all of us. You know, it's not just up to Graham to, to run the food bank and feed the hungry in our community. It's not just Andy, who has just gone to plant a church, who's called to be an evangelist. That's his gifting, but we're all called to share. It's not just me that's supposed to invite people to Alpha. It's not just people like Sarah and Joy who are supposed to support the mainly music families. It takes all of us. Now, obviously, not all of us um, can do all of those things. Not all of us are called to be in all of those places. 
But as a family on mission, we're doing this together. We're called to pray for one another, to support one another, to take an interest in what's going on in the life of the church. We're called to give. Maybe that does mean practically. Maybe that means financially. But the mission of God is not just actions. It's words as well. And it works both ways. And as we were thinking about this um, teaching series, we knew that actually we wanted to talk about both, both um, the, the mission of seeing the kingdom come to earth and evangelism. And so this morning we're going to try and cover both, but, but it's important to say that we feel as a church team, as a church family, you know, we want to support these missional organizations because it's core of who we are. We're so passionate about working with IJM and seeing the end of modern slavery. We're so passionate about supporting Tear Fund, and we're so grateful that we've got people that are doing that nine to five in their jobs, but also help us and equip us as the family of God to do it as well. Because justice is at the heart of God. It's not just a nice add-on to make us culturally relevant. We don't just want to talk about issues of race or climate change or or, or desperate poverty. We want to play our part in seeing that transformed. We know that's what it means to follow Jesus. And we've got to learn how to do that together. Not one of us has a solution to it all. So how do we do that? How do we include hearing each other's voices? How do we include being family when we're the size that we are? And actually, I think it's, it's committing to our smaller groups of people that we do life with. And, it, and it's once again saying, do you know what? I am going to do life with you. I am going to sit around the table with you. And it might not be the people that that happens naturally. You know, it might not be friendship groups. Maybe it's multi-generational, multi-age stage. But what would that look like to have your dining room table filled with like, different people from different walks of life? You know, we read the gospel, we read Jesus' life, and we see him do this in such a beautiful way. We see how he holds the tension between demonstrating his love and proclaiming it. I was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he's teaching these um, the Beatitudes, he's teaching this amazing sermon. And then he practically thinks, well, we're going to have to feed these people now. Like, I love that Jesus' thought wasn't just hear this and go away. It was hear this and be part of something. Here's food. He's demonstrating his love for them in such a practical way. You know, that was part of the disciples' um, discipleship. He, they were learning on the job. They were seeing Jesus teach and demonstrate. And we read, don't we, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, the Great Commission, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's what we're called to do. It's not stagnant. We're called to make other disciples, to multiply. And I think, you know, it's so easy to look around and go, oh, I know we're supposed to be disciples that make disciples. But actually, I think I'm just the disciple that makes the two. It's, it's somebody else's job to do that. What, what have I got to give? How could I make a disciple? 
When we look at the gospel, though, we see Jesus calling people out of their ordinary lives into something extraordinary. We see in Mark 1, we literally, at chapter 1, we're at verse 17, and Jesus says, come and follow me to those fishermen. He says, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in a boat with the hired men and followed him. You know, when we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to also be fishers of men. And I know that that phrase sounds weird and clunky. It doesn't quite fit with our modern lives, does it? But here is Jesus, you know, demonstrating to them, speaking their language. I'm not just calling you to be fishermen. I'm calling you to to journey with me, to, to bring people into the kingdom. Now, what would it have looked like in that story for, them to, for Jesus to say that to them and instantly they just drop their nets and follow him? They must have known. They must have seen something. They must have heard the rumors that this was Jesus, the rabbi. This was the one that they were going to give up everything and follow them. You know, they would have been fishermen for generations their fathers and their fathers and their their fathers would have all been fishermen. So for them to literally have dropped to their nets and gone, that's not just an opting in on a Sunday. That's them literally giving up all they had to follow him. Now we know, don't we, when, when Jesus pokes and prods, it is hard to ignore. It's hard to just shake it off when we feel convicted of something. And so the best bit of this journey is that Jesus says, I'll teach you. So when he calls us to make disciples, he's saying, I'll teach you what it looks like. I'll go with you. The Holy Spirit in us is active and at work. And we're joining in with God's mission, not the other way around. And again, so many of us think, yeah, well, maybe, maybe I could or, or maybe somebody else will. What I want to say today that we're all called to do this. We're all called to play our part. I have a friend, um, and let's call her Louise. And um, she became a Christian maybe three or four years ago. She's kind of like early 20s, and her family had been Christians for years. And we'd all been praying for her to come to know Jesus. And basically, she has this like radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, and her life is completely turned around. And she's one of those friends, you know, when you talk to her, someone, and like you leave feeling inspired, that's what she is for me. Because she just got it and modeled what being a disciple looks like in such an easy way, like it was just so obvious. So she was like, well, yeah, of of course I'm going to chat to the homeless guy, because isn't that what Christians do? I'm like, yeah, 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 that, that is what Christians do, yeah. <laughs> you know, of course I'm going to befriend the big issue lady, because that's what, that's what Jesus would have done, isn't it? And I was like, oh, yeah. And she got it in a way that maybe, you know, I had just become so blasé to. And she lives it out, and she, you know, she invites her work friends to church because, you know, she has this gift and she wants to share it. Three of her work
work colleagues came to know Jesus. Like, she's just incredible, and it, and it reminds me again, maybe I've, I've just become so distracted by other things that I've forgotten the core of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's not because, you know, she wants recognition. It's not because she's trying to be something. It's not because she's trying to show off. She's literally just living her everyday life and modeling it on Jesus. I was so moved when she was telling me about this lady that she befriended who sells a big issue on the street corner. And she walks past it every day and they just got chatting. And then she found out that she had children and she couldn't actually afford winter coats for them that year. So, of course, my friend just goes, oh, well, let's go shopping. We'll, we'll get them. No worries. And when she told me this, I was like so moved. And, and to her, she was just like, well, obviously that's what we do. <laughs> obviously that's what we do. I don't know. It's a challenge, isn't it? It challenged me deeply. And I've been praying, Lord, show me who that is. In my locality, on a day-to-day -day basis, what needs can I be meeting? How can I be demonstrating the love of Jesus to those around me? You know, maybe it's my neighbours. Maybe it's stopping long enough to actually ask how they are. Maybe it's, you know, it is the homeless guy that I walk past. Or maybe for you, it's, it's the mum at the school gate or the work colleague that, that looks a bit tired today. Maybe it's stopping long enough to say, hey, are you okay? Like, can I pray for you? Hey, do you, do you want to come and meet some of my other mates from church? Like, it, it, it can be so simple, but so profound. Because we're not all called to um, the mission field in another country. We're not all called to church leadership or to church plant. But we are all called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are called to make disciples. Who are those people in your life? I like to call them people of peace. Who are the people of peace in your life? That you can tell God's, um, God's stirring something in them. Or maybe they're the ones that ask you the questions about church and faith and Sundays. And what is it that you do on a Sunday morning? Who, is those, who are those people in your life? The next and final thing I want to say is let's keep it simple. We went away as a staff team for a day just to, to pray and worship and dream and, and chat through, you know, what's God saying at the moment? And we just kept coming back to, like, simplicity. Like, what does it mean, as I said before, to just sit around a table together and share a meal? And how do we facilitate that here? You know, in our reading today, Paul is so passionate about the Corinthian church sharing the gospel. And it struck me again, like, just how relevant that, that letter is for us today. In verse 2, where it says, you know, we don't distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting, the truth, by setting forth the truth plainly. You know, we can so think we've got to have all the theological answers so think that we've got to have our lives together because how can we share Jesus if we feel broken? That isn't what we read here, though. It says the truth plainly. We can so complicate it. We don't use deception or trickery or fancy lights or smoke machines. 
not about creating an empire on a Sunday morning. It's about presenting a simple truth of the gospel. That we're loved, that we're chosen, that we're called. He goes on to say that um, in verse 4, the God of ages has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. Firstly, we need to be people that pray. Pray, who are the people in my life that I can share with? And secondly, God, what is it that's blinding them? You know, in, 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 our, in our modern life where we're so busy, where we've got so much in our diaries again, I don't know if anybody else is feeling like that, where we're so blinded by progression, like the next career move, or, you know, maybe it's, maybe we're distracted by really, like, normal things, like running a family. None of these things are inherently bad, but they distract us from the truth of the gospel. He goes on to say in verse 6, For God said, let light shine out of darkness. Make his light shine in our hearts to give us light of knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. You see, Paul had lived that reality. He had been an unbeliever, blinded by the light of the gospel. And we see, don't we, on the road to Damascus in his, in his conversion story, the glory of God shining, completely stopping him in his tracks. Paul knew he needed a saviour. And don't we, don't we know that we need Jesus? Don't we feel that longing of like, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I think other people are crying out desperate for the hope that we have as well. You know, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power from God, and it's not from us. Be encouraged. We don't have to have it all figured out. Actually, it's through our cracks, it's through the brokenness of who we are that God's light shines it's us holding our hands up and saying, do you know what, I haven't got it all sorted, but Jesus has. Being real, people are longing for us to be real with them. It's through our scars, our battles, that actually we have this hope in the midst of darkness and pain. The hope of the world, Jesus, we have him. He's at work, he's already gone before us. There's nothing that we have to drum up. All he's asking us is, like, will you partner with me? Will you be attentive to where the Spirit's at work? Will you be people that pray, pray for people to come across our paths? You know, we've got to keep it simple. We can overcomplicate so much stuff. So I'm wondering, who is it that you could have around your table? Who is it that you could share a meal with? Who is it that you could invite in? It's something that I've been thinking about. You know, one of the questions that Rich asked us on this staff day was, what's one of the things you want to see happen this year? And without thinking, the first thing that came to my head was, I want to see a student come to know Jesus. Like, straight away. <laughs> like, I'm desperate for that to see that. And I was like, okay then, so, so keeping it simple, what does that look like? Okay, maybe I, I invite a couple of students around that are connected to church and I say, bring your housemates, bring your course friends, 
let's have a meal together. It's not, you know, complicated. It's just me putting it in the diary and making it happen. And we start small. We grow from there. We, we say, okay, Lord, what does that look like next? And so I wonder for you, you know, who are those people? Could you start thinking, who is it that I want to invite to Alpha in January? We're going to be doing an Alpha course in person in January. And I would love us to start thinking and praying now, who is it that I could invite? Who is it that I could bring along? Now, this is my second Christmas word. But Christmas <laughs> is coming, and we're planning it, and we're excited. And who is it that you could involve? Who is it that you could say, put this date in your diary now. We'd love you to come to a carol concert, or we'd love to have you over for mince pies afterwards. Like, let's not overcomplicate sharing the gospel. Let's share our lives with the people that we're already doing life with. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be open. And let's pray, pray to see people come to know Jesus. We want to be this family on mission. We don't just want to exist for a, a social club on a Sunday. We want to exist to see the renewal of all things, to see people come to know him and to see people thrive. That is why we do what we do. So there's two things that um, I would love us to do now. The first one is commit to prayer. So if you've got a phone, I would love you to get your phones out. You're allowed to in church. We'll let you. Um, go and get your phones out. And I would love us to set a reminder or an alarm for 11.02 every day this week. And we're going to commit to pray for those people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus. Maybe it's just a minute, you know, at 11 when you're, when you're boiling the kettle for your coffee. To just name those people before God and say, God, please move in their lives. Please give me a, a way in. Please show me how I can demonstrate your love to them. And it's 11.02 because in Luke's gospel, um, 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 2, is your kingdom come. That's what we're doing. We're praying, your kingdom come. And I promise I will do that once I sit down. I'll join you. And the second one, um, I'd love us to, to pray right now this morning for the Holy Spirit to, to, to help us, to give us courage, to make us bold, to make us brave. Because as I said, we don't do this on our own. We do this with him. The one who is desperate for, for his children to know him. The one whose heart burns for people to acknowledge him as their saviour. We're co-labourers. So if you'd like to stand, I'd love to pray. We're going to wait on God. Um, and then I'll hand back over to Rich and the worship team. Um, but let's stand. If you're able, um, I'll pray. And we'll just wait.